So John chapter 15 and verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The church, as Bill Hybels says, is the hope of the whole world. That's the church. The local church, the ecclesia, the gathered people, the called out ones. We are the hope of the whole world. Do you see yourself with that kind of dignity and that kind of identity? That we're not just a gathered group of people who worship God, but we're a people on earth to be part of reshaping everything, to look, to love and to serve the world, to be a city on a hill, to be a light that can't be hidden, to be salt that both preserves and adds flavour to the world. That the church is the hope of the world. That we believers, amongst other believers in this area who follow Jesus Christ, are the hope to our community. We are the hope to our community. There is common grace in government and there is common grace in charities, and there is common grace amongst um, philanthropists and men and women who serve the community. We love all of that common grace, but the local church, the church, the gathered saints, is the hope of the whole world. As the church goes, so does the community. There is a connection between God raising up believing believers who actually believe, and actually the transformation of a whole location. Yes. And I want to talk this morning about how we bear fruit fruit that lasts. Because loving and serving the world is actually all overflow of heart fruit. That loving, serving, reshaping the world, being a city on a hill, being uh, a city that can't be hidden, is all actually overflow of heart culture, is all overflow of heart fruit. That God's first goal for every believer is that we taste like Jesus. That's the first goal for every believer. That's his first and most primary goal for every single person is that, as it were, when someone bites into our life, we taste like Jesus. That's his goal for us. It's what Galatians 5 talks about when it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That God's goal for us is that we're full of love, affection for others. That we're full of joy and exuberance about life. That we're full of peace. That we're free from agitation on the inside. That we're full of patience. That we're willing to stick with things. Tolerating delay without annoyance and anxiety. That he's looking to establish kindness, a sense of compassion in the heart, goodness, faithfulness that we're committed to loyal commitments, that we're gentleness, that we're not pushing our way in life, that self-control, we're able to direct our energies wisely, especially in difficult circumstances. That God wants us to taste like Jesus, and that is his first goal for us. And it says in these verses, you did not choose me, but I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, and fruit that will last. That we looked last week at the fact that we didn't choose him, he chose us. And part of his choosing is that he chose us to be fruitful. Jesus is, the Father is 100%, the Holy Spirit is 100%, Jesus is 100% committed to you being fruitful. God is 100% committed to you tasting like Jesus. 
that he's actually connected his glory and his reputation to us being fruitful. That he says, I chose you and I've chosen you that you might go and bear fruit. I've appointed you to be fruitful. And we might think, I'm weak, I'm inadequate, I can't be tasting like Jesus. Or we might think, right, I'm going to work really, really hard at this. Has anybody ever done this? First of January, you think, right, what fruit am I going to work on this year? I want to be more patient. I want to be more willing to tolerate delay and problems without annoyance and anxiety. I'm going to work at that. I'd say that's getting the horse before the cart. Because actually the first thing is Jesus is committed to fruitfulness. And Jesus is totally committed to you tasting like him. That fruitfulness is not about us having what it takes. It's about the fact it wasn't our idea in the first place. That he says, I want you to be fruitful and bear fruit that will last. That fruit is not your idea, it was his idea. That he chose you, and he chose you that you might bear fruit, and that you might bear fruit that will last. For me, that does something in me, that God is committed to your fruitfulness. God is committed to your character more and more tasting like Jesus. He's committed to causing your life to become increasingly fruit-bearing everywhere you go. That's his commitment. Because it's his idea in the first place. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. And so these verses say it was God's initiative. It's God's initiative in the choosing. And it's God's initiative that we should bear fruit. It reminds us to take our eyes off ourselves. That our first responsibility is to take our eyes off ourselves and have almost a sense of self-distrust because it's not up to me to produce something for him. It's not up to me to grunt and try to produce fruit for him. But actually, I need to have confidence in his commitment that he is about a great work in my life, that he will complete and that he wants me to be fruitful. It was his idea. He has what it takes. He is going to do what he's promised. He's going to make me a fruitful vine. And so the first part of then, how are we going to be these people that become increasingly the hope of the world? And how are we going to be these people that bring the flavour of Jesus into society? And how are we going to be these people through love and kindness and goodness, reshape the way things are done? The first part of that is, I'm not confident in myself. This is not something I'm going to do for God. It's something God's going to do in me. And it's something God's going to do through me. This was all his idea. And he is about a great work. And so, Jesus mentions a lot of times in these verses above about the whole thing of abiding, of remaining, of making your home in his love, uh, making your home in his words, and his words making their home in you. And so we can see that right at the heart of fruit bearing is relationship, is abiding. And so fruit is a byproduct of a relationship with God. It's God who supplies the desire. It's God who supplies the power. It's God who supplies the resolve. It's God who supplies the strength. 
is God who makes us hungry to be a fruit-bearing vine. It's God who makes us hungry to want to taste more and more like Jesus. It's the work of God in us that places a desire in us to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. It's God who does these things in us. It's His power, His resolve, His strength. And so that in relationship with Him, He rubs off on us and we begin to act and think and reason like God. Some people might say, you know, bad company can spoil, but so can good company make. You hang around people of faith, you hang around people of integrity, you hang around people of um, bold confidence in God, they're going to rub off on you, that you're going to become more and more like them. Imagine hanging around with God, God rubbing off on you, reasoning like God about everything until you become fully persuaded and convinced that actually nothing is impossible. Where you look at every situation and you know that God has a solution. Where your first instinct is not to panic or to fret or to worry or to run away, but it's to draw upon God because you know that God has a solution for every situation. As we've been singing, that God can make streams appear in valleys, that God can split red seas, that God can make a way where there is no way. That's God rubbing off on you. That's not stoicism, that's not white knuckles, that's not trying to go on a treadmill and convince yourself. That's you being around God, leading to thinking like God, leading to natural lived out behaviour. So we want to be those who taste like Jesus. To become those who taste like Jesus, we need to hang around Jesus so that he rubs off on us because fruit was his idea tasting like him is his idea overflow is God's idea and so reshaping the world transformation and mission bold faith is also rooted in this I'm going to have no comparison to other people that we may look at other people and say they are more gifted, they are more qualified, they are more anointed, they are more able, they are maybe more betterly, better, better positioned to bear fruit in our community. But God doesn't say that about us. He says, I appointed you to bear fruit. I appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We've got to feel that sense of he says it to us in that area, in that workplace, in that family, in this community. He has appointed us to bear fruit. I've appointed you to bear fruit. God has made it so that you and me are perfectly fitted and perfectly prepared to bear the fruit, external fruit now, the fruit that will last. And so it starts in this place of intimacy with God, abiding, making our home in his love, letting him love us, enjoying his choice of us, letting God rub off on us so we begin to think and reason and and perceive like God. And then this fruit of abiding then begins to spring out, as it were, on the branches of our lives. Fruit that is perfectly fitted to our history with God, to our gifting in God, to our temperament 
purposes that he, he, he has uh, established for us to run in before the foundation of the earth. It's like a tree in an orchard that puts its roots into the soil and gets the nutrients. It, it rests in the sun during the day. Its leaves soak up the rain and it begins to bear fruit. The fruit that it was designed to bear. It's, a, it's an apple tree. It bears apples. But it doesn't bear apples because it grunts and strives and stresses and tries really hard. It, it bears apples and fruit on its branches because it's got its roots into the soil. It's the sun coming on it and the rain comes on it and it bears fruit. We are designed to bear supernatural fruit because we are supernatural beings. That's who we are. We've been born again from above. We've gone from death to life. We've gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. The life we live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself For me, we're new creatures, we're new creation. And so, as we abide in the Son, as we put our roots into Jesus, as we soak up the warmth of his love, as we let him rain on us refreshing, we will bear supernatural fruit, because that's what we are, we're supernatural trees. Apple trees bear apples, because they're an apple tree. That's what they are. We don't say to a tree in an orchard who's not yet bearing fruit, well, that maybe it's a young tree, it's a tree that's just been planted. If it were to speak to the other trees in the orchard and say, what am I? <laughs> the other trees would say, you're an apple tree. That's what you are. But, but I'm not... There's no big fruit yet on the branches. No, that's because you're a young apple tree. But you're growing and you're growing. Look at us, we abide, we soak up, the rain comes on us. It's coming because that's who you are. It doesn't have to, doesn't, otherwise it's an identity crisis for the young tree. No, you're an apple tree. You're just in a season where you're growing and you're going to bear sweet, lovely apples. We have to come to that. That's who you are. I've been born again from. I've got the divine nature. I'm I'm a new creature in Christ. As I abide, soak up God, enjoy God, abide in God, draw upon God, those fruits are going to come and blossom. You are perfectly qualified and perfectly equipped to bear the fruit that God has wonderfully equipped and designed you to bear. You're a hope giver because you're an offspring of the God of all hope. And then you might think, I don't bring hope where I am at the moment. Well, get around the God of all hope. Let his voice, the way he speaks, impact you and touch you so that you speak like your father. He rubs off on you. You're not doubling your efforts. A tree doesn't bear fruit. I'm going to bear fruit. 
grunting. You don't see trees grunting in the field. Oh, apple. You just see them abide and be who they are and they will bear fruit. You are perfectly fitted, perfectly prepared. God has placed answers in your history of what you need now. He hasn't made a mistake with you and he hasn't made a mistake with us. And then we might say in comparison to other local churches, we might say they're bigger than us. They've got more resources than us. They've got apparently bigger men and women than us. And God says, no, I picked you, I've appointed you to bear fruit that will last in this community. I've appointed you. Don't second guess me. You may have had prophetic words and say you're going to be bold and be able to speak courageously. You may have had prophetic words about who you are in Christ. And you think, how could I ever become that? Don't second guess God. Don't argue about his choice. Choose to believe him and begin to walk according to the identity that he speaks over you prophetically. Begin to reason like God. Begin to believe his assessment. I never wanted to be a speaker. I never ever wanted to do public communication. I was the shyest person in my class. I was the person who was terrified on in, in English classes when they passed the book around and asked you to read out loud in front of everybody. Anybody else felt that? I don't want to read in front of everybody else. And God takes you on a journey, took me on a journey, step by step as a loving father, where you become fully persuaded and convinced increasingly of what he's appointed you, what he's appointed me, and what he's appointed us to be. He chooses and he appoints according to his wisdom, insight, and understanding. That's why Paul says to Timothy, fight Fight according to the prophetic promises made about you. Fight according to the appointment of God. Fight according to the assessment of heaven. What does God say about you? What does God say about me? What does God say about us? And the kinds of fruit that he wants to cause to spring on our branches. If he wants outflow and percolation and transformation in a culture and a society, if he wants to raise up men and women who are, who are hope and joyful believers, who transform everywhere through the love, power and goodness of God, he can do that because that's what he's appointed us to be. Don't second guess God and don't talk bad about his choice. Amen. God said that once to me, I don't like it when you talk bad about yourself because you're talking bad about your creation. God doesn't actually like it when we undermine ourselves and undermine our calling, our gifting and our appointment through a negative conclusion that we've come about ourselves because of our previous experience. God doesn't like it. It's not humility, it's false humility. And dare I say it's a form of pride. And pride is at the root of all sin. It's thinking that you are better than God. Self-criticism can be pride because it elevates yourself above the appointment of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ appoints a people to be fruitful in a particular way, and he appoints them for that, the humble place to be is a humble place of, I choose to believe you, I choose to trust your appointment, I will not talk bad about your appointment, you haven't made a mistake, I won't second guess you, in all humility I will abide and trust in the abiding, I will bear the fruit that you've appointed me to bear. The bold faith at the end of the day, sits on the shoulders of quiet trust. That the boldest acts of faith, the greatest, boldest moments of faith, 
sit on the shoulders of quiet trust. That the boldest faith that we see in church history has been executed and outworked by men and women who had quiet faith in every single detail of their lives, who had cultivated quiet faith in God, in his ability to find the keys when they lose them, in his ability to care for them, in his ability to bring reconciliation where they can't do it, in his ability to guide, lead, protect in every area of their life. Bold faith sits on the shoulders of quiet trust, And quiet trust is established in the place of intimacy and fixing your eyes on Jesus. That faith is authored through a relationship of God. It's the faith of God. It's what God sees about you and it's what God sees about us. And it's what God sees about our circumstances. That's the most important thing for us to get in our hearts. Everything matters. Everything should lead us to abiding. Everything should lead us to trusting him. He's going to pray for us. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would establish in our hearts such a deep hunger for being with you and near you and in your presence and worshipping you that we would just make our home in your love. That we just make our home in enjoying your love. That we would simply say, I can't get enough of you. Just think that Depeche Mode song, I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. Go and listen to Depeche Mode. (laughs) I just can't get enough. I just can't. I need to have more. I've got to be in your presence. I've got to be where you are. I've got to be by your side. I've got to be hearing a fresh word from you. I want to be where you are, Holy Spirit. Would you breathe on me afresh? Would you breathe on me afresh? I want to have a fresh encounter with you. I'm going to worship you and enjoy you. That my first and primary goal of my whole of my life is to abide and make my home in your love. Make me overwhelmingly hungry. Make me have such an appetite for you that as I eat, I'd be more and more and more and more and more hungry. Cause me to have an insatiable desire to drink deep of you, to eat and drink, Jesus. Cause us to be that. Captivate our hearts with your love. Ruin us for everything else, God. Ruin us for everything else. In Jesus' name. Ruin us, God. Yeah, make time to be with him. Carve it out. Plan it in. So I'm going to, this is, I'm giving this time to you because I want to be with you. Plan for it. Don't just wait till a feeling comes. Go and make a demand, as it were, on God and say, I know that the throne of grace, I can come in at any time, that you're always available, that you always love me. Here I am again. Here I am again. Here I am again. Draw deeply on him.